Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Howdy, Cliff. Hello, Bobo. How are you doing today? Excellent, sir. How are you? I am also excellent. What's new in your environment? Anything special going on you want to share? Yeah, well, we got someone else to look forward to today. Another old Squatch buddy, a friend of ours from before the show, but who worked on the show. Uh, the mysterious and elusive, just like the Squatch himself, he's a little hairy guy. Tyler Bounds on TB. Yeah, Tyler Bounds, Lost and Bounds is a nickname. Uh, he, he was, of course, on Finding Bigfoot. He was he had a variety of jobs, but uh, um, he was basically one of the, the, the main camera guy for all the camping segments. Um, and Tyler is sitting right next to me. Um, we're both sharing a mic here. So, Tyler, welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Cliff and Bobes. And uh, yeah, good to be good to be on your show. Yeah. Well, God, I mean, where do we even start? I, I guess we should probably start with uh, people who don't know you. Like, uh, like, why would they even care? Like, like, who are you and, and what are you doing on our show? Like, you're, you've been a Bigfooter for a long time. Fill us in a little bit about how that started. Yeah, uh, well, I've been a lifelong enthusiast and in interest. And, you know, I had, uh, when I was really young, um, had a sighting with my grandfather that I barely remember. But he did cast footprints. And when we went back to his ranch, he had a dozen or so prints up against this outbuilding. And, you know, and I, I remember going back over the years and going out and staring at these casts and like, wow, that's, wow, grandpa has a bunch of these things. And, you know, and then reading books in the library and, you know, doing the whole thing. And, uh, you know, and then in 1992, I was driving through, California went to Bluff Creek, went to Willow Creek and bought a map and John Green's books, the red and the yellow one. And from Al Hodgson at the store, he gave me a Bigfoot map and I went and drove around in the woods and went on my first quote unquote Bigfoot expedition in 1992, which is just was me driving around on logging roads at night. That's how we all start, I think. Yeah. It's hilarious that you're from Washington and you drove to Northern California to look for Bigfoot. Yeah, well, I was coming back from Tahoe, so I made a, I made a special little side trip, like to go to Willow Creek and go to all the places that I read about and heard about, and you know, and then just cut through and did that whole thing, and uh, you know, and then eventually I got wrapped up with the BFRO going on expeditions and then becoming a investigator, researcher, and then organizing and facilitating my own expeditions with uh, 
customers and clients and, and other big footers and, uh, you know, doing, doing that whole thing here in Washington and in Oregon and, you know, and just going on Bigfoot expeditions, trips, going Bigfooting or squatching, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, and that's how I met you, Bobo. That's how I met you, Cliff. You know, and then one thing led to another and, you know, I'm not even sure how I fell into finding Bigfoot. I ended up in Georgia while you guys were filming there, you know, kind of got lucky in Georgia and then became a fixer on some other episodes and then got brought on full time to, you know, follow you guys around out in the woods with the camera and everything else that came with that being yeah. production assistants and fixers. Yeah, you, you, had, you pull, they had you pulling double duty. Oh yeah. I mean, Triple duty. you know, when I volunteered to like, Hey, why doesn't somebody just drive the U-Haul from location to location? You know, and that became my job for like four and a half years. So, hmm. you know, watch what you watch, what you say on that show. Cause they will like, Oh, you want to do another thing? So, yeah. And also something to point out is that first season and that, which includes the, the first George episode, and um, we didn't have a camping segment. The camping segment came about because of the cast, like uh, dissatisfaction with the way things were going. And um, once we uh, had that kind of blowout at the meeting uh, in, in Oregon where the, the network executives came out from Manhattan, um, that kind of is what gave birth to the camping segment. So if you notice and go back to the Finding Bigfoot episodes, there was no camping segment during first season. That came about because we were complaining we can't do real Bigfooting um, under the circumstances. So we got the camping segment and that's where Tyler fell in because he's a camper, man. He's backpacking all the time. He's camping. He knows the gear and, um, he would be there for us. And yeah, he, he was our camping technician dash, you know, film dude for the camping segment. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause Tyler's like a ma- master outdoors. And I mean, when, uh, when we would even like for Renee, who's, you know, scientific background, like Tyler would be telling her what the, what everything was like. He, he would tell all of us like, this is, he'd know the Latin word for these kind of trees, these bushes, what berries are what, what are edible. And, and also Tyler was known in the backpacking world. He was a reviewer for their products. He, the, the companies would send in the backpacker magazine and they'd send him gear to, when we were out in the field at finding Bigfoot, they'd give, send him stuff to test out there. Then he'd write reviews. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet gig because they were really happy that, oh, you're going to be in Louisiana bayous this week and then in snowy Montana next week. And then, you know, so they would send me here, test out this winter gear here, test out, you know, because every week we're in a different part of the country. So it was, yeah, they were really stoked on me. Like we can send you all the stuff and, you know, you're going to test it in every every ecosystem, every climate, every type of weather and so, yeah, that was, you know, a pretty sweet side gig that I also fell into. So that was pretty funny. So the, the first episode you worked on was the George episode, right? So you said mm, not officially. I was just there visiting. I would just happen to be in Georgia and then met up with you guys and then was kind of tagging along with our friend Matt Pruitt. And then, you know, and I remember the producers, Bisha and Chad, like, who is this guy? Why is he here? <laughs> and, you know, just kind of hanging out. And yeah, so I wasn't even employed or working on the show at all. I but was, you got some FaceTime on that episode, didn't you? I did. Yeah. We, yeah. When we went up in the, went up in the woods in our big caravan and, 
yeah, I was, I was part of the Georgia BFRO. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and hanging out of the side of a car with the thermal and like, let's go this way. You know, just mayhem, just making TV mayhem. But we'll run down the hill. <laughs> yeah. uh, what right. for? Oh, just run down the hill. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I wasn't even employed. I was just there. I was just kind of a hanger on. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, I found some footprints when we were up uh, um, interviewing Mountain. a witness. Bull Mountain. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those those footprints that we that uh, they showed me casting on camera. Tyler's the guy that found those. And um, I, we were such sticklers for the truth um, because we saw what direction the production company was pulling us and we're refusing it. And so we were such sticklers for the truth. Um, that was a very difficult thing. It was a hard lesson for me, but I think we handled it correctly. Um, Tyler, uh, I was filming with The Witness and I think Renee, if I remember correctly, about the footprints he found just two weeks or something beforehand. Um, interesting footprints. You can see them on my website. If you go on the cliffberrickman.com and check out the cast database. And then Tyler comes back. He's like, he's out of breath. I think, I think he got clearly excited and he goes, footprints. He goes, really? Are there toes? He goes, yes. He goes, oh my gosh. And then we went and looked at him. Actually, we didn't look at him. Tyler kind of pointed us the right direction. And I was, I'm Chad, I think was the producer on that one. And I told Chad, it's like, hey, well, Tyler needs to get credit for this. And he goes, well, Cliff, I, I, we can't do that. I said, well, no, this is important. Tyler needs to get credit because he's the guy that found it. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy to cast him on camera and I'd, I'd be thrilled to do so. But Tyler needs credit. He goes, Cliff, the audience won't get it. Like, like think about it. As a viewer of the show, somebody who's not on camera finds the prints and then tells you to cast. That just doesn't make sense. And I go, I said, oh, well, I, okay. I can kind of see that, you know, I can, I kind of understand that. So, um, Renee and I played that we found them and then, uh, we cast them in the whole nine and stuff. But I want to point out that like for the truth part of it all, uh, I used to do videos and write-ups for every single episode that we did. I've always given Tyler full credit for finding those. Um, and in fact, those, uh, those casts are on display here at the North American Bigfoot Center and Tyler also gets credit for them on the wall. Um, I understand the TV part of it. I didn't like it, but I understand it. So I, I, I you know, I, I agreed for that. Um, but it was, even that was hard. I don't, I just strongly dislike misleading the audience in any way, but that was an important thing. Well, originally Tyler was supposed to, was not a PA. Tyler was supposed to, we're, we were going to do our squatching, like during the night investigations, he was going to stay out there and record audio and therm and anything, any recording audio he got, we, we would just, you know, we wouldn't attribute to him. We would just uh, put mix it in the show saying, like, this was recorded. So that way, if he got it, we would just blend it into the show as a compromise. We can't just, you can't just have this guy pop in, you know, <laughs> which I get. At the time, I, I was like, no, we got to do it totally, you know, by the book. And then we did it. We all agreed at the end, like, okay, he's, he's part of the team. So if, if someone from the team gets it, we'll incorporate it into the show. Yeah. And I didn't mind. I mean, because I knew that I wasn't on the show and, you know, and, Whatever, you know, like those footprints in Georgia, uh, you know, as long as it didn't really matter to me a ton, but it was cool that I found the footprints and that in the real world, you know, Cliff was always advertising or pointing out that Tyler actually found these and, you know, and, but, you know, how we did play it is when I pointed out the footprints to you, Cliff, and said they are over there. So actually, when you did see them on camera, you were seeing those for the first time. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like a fake. 
like, here's the footprints and like, okay, now pretend like you're seeing the footprints. No, no, it wasn't a fake reaction because like, I, like I, I literally said this today to a customer in the museum here is that um, we're not actors. And if you need proof, look at the parts of the show where we were forced to act. <laughs> yeah. We're not actors. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So that was cool. And you know, whatever I could do for the show and you know, any audio or incidental stuff that I filmed or recorded, you know, was always used throughout the show, you know, no matter where we were, like I would film a moose in Idaho and then they would show it in a different episode. Like, that's yeah, cool. You got a lot of B-roll actually. I got tons of B-roll and I even got, uh, I got a call from Keith one time. Uh, Keith Hoffman, Keith our executive Hoffman. producer at the network. Yeah, at the network. I got a call from him and he said something like, hey, I'm in the editing booth amazing work on the b-roll man you got this animal and you know because i would lay on my belly and getting ground squirrels coming in and out of holes or the moose in the pond or birds or snakes and you know or like bobo when we were in louisiana i think and like that cotton mouth coming through the through the water and Remember it came out it chased us <laughs> yeah yeah so you know stuff like that and you know sunrises and sunsets and moon and whatever. And, uh, you know, so it was really cool that, you know, they would use that stuff and that I actually got, you know, uh, an attaboy from Keith, like keep up the good work. That's amazing. Doing great. You know, so, so that was cool. Like, you know, me not really knowing what I'm doing or how to, you know, be a Hollywood cameraman, but I know how to be a cameraman out in the woods running around and, you know, following you guys around. So, so it, it all worked out. Don't be so modest, Tyler. You were in the AV club in high school. <laughs> Actually, I was, you know, I for a little while, you know, just making like skateboard videos like we were all doing in, you know, the late 80s and dumb jackass type stuff before there was jackass and jump off this thing and set that on fire and that sort of nonsense. But uh, that was a long time before that. So, you know, when I think of Tyler Browns and Finding Bigfoot, three things popped to mind right off the top of my head. One is, uh, well, four things. W one for sure is just the lost and bounds handle, which he got because he found this walkie-talkie that was in the in the pitch black. I, I don't think it was even on, was it? I don't think it was even, it was out of batteries or something. And it was somewhere along two miles of forest trail in the black, and he found it. So they got the name Lost and Bounds for Lost and Found. And then uh, I think about the uh, dented up rental van that the night where you hit something in the fog. Oh, yeah, Virginia. Yep. And then I also think about the time you and I were in Spooky Mountain in Alabama. Uh-huh. That's only three, though, Bobes. You owe us one more. <laughs> oh, getting the reports on the funniest things Moneymaker said and did on his solos. Oh. Well, let's attack those one at a time. Uh, yeah. Lost and Bounds. Yeah, Tyler Bounds, of course, is this gentleman's name. And we, we nicknamed him Lost and Bounds because it was just more, more than that radio. That radio event happened. Moneymaker dropped the radio somewhere in New Mexico, I think. And Tyler miraculously found it. But that wasn't it. I mean, I remember you got uh, one of the you got Heather's phone or something at one point. I remember the first time I found when you guys were running through the woods in Rhode Island with the fire, fire torches running through the woods. Right. And, uh, and, and somebody dropped a radio then 
And that one was fairly easy to find because I just had to follow the trails of burned up fabric through the woods from (laughs) falling off your guys' torches, uh, which was an amazing episode. And, you know, and I'll never forget when you guys were all standing there with your backpacks on and torches and some ATVs came up and you guys just turned around and like held these torches up. And those guys turned around and zoomed off. (laughs) And like, I wonder what those guys thought was going on. Just they they come over around this corner and there's people just standing there with torches and these backpacks with these armatures and, (laughs) and and they just turn around and gone. And I'll I'll never forget that. And then, yeah, uh, we lost a radio in Idaho when we were filming in Pocatello. And I went up and down that mountain like three times found a radio and then yeah one of our story producers heather lost her phone it was kentucky or something Thank you, it was kentucky and you guys had gone down road on atvs and it was in the fall oh that was virginia that was a uh, virginia when well, we it were, doesn't matter but yeah, yeah. I, I think we were like on the border and we would have to like go into kentucky from virginia or something but went down this road on atvs and then heather got back and realized that she lost her phone and everybody was like, you can do it, Tyler. I'm like, it's dark. And you guys just rustled up all these dead leaves that are on the ground. When you go over on the ATVs, they all get, um, you know, get flung up in the air and they're just going to fall. And they could land on the phone and cover it up and I'll never see it. And I don't have an ATV, so I'm on foot. Long story short, I did find it. Did find- was there anything you couldn't find? Did you fail? I, well, Bigfoot. Well, no, no, that's not true either. No, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, there was a, what did, oh, then actually I found Keith's phone in Florida. We were doing that behind the scenes. Oh yeah, that, that solidified. And your, he, yeah. he dropped his iPhone and then he, he's like, well, you're the guy, or I think you said Cliff, like Tyler can find anything. And Keith said, I'll throw, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you find my iPhone. And I walked around in the dark and found his phone and he gave me a hundred dollars right there. Well, yeah. And also talk about kudos. I mean, that's the boss, boss, boss. That's Keith from Animal Planet. And you found his phone. How stoked was he? Yeah. On on Tyler Bounds. He was pretty stoked. That was hilarious. I mean, that was a hilarious behind the scenes thing when Keith was playing his tuba. He busted out his bass drum, I remember. Something. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those behind the scenes episodes out there I remember doing. But uh, yeah, what? I don't know if there was anything that I could not. Anything that I failed to. That's what I'd like to remember you as. Like, like there's nothing he cannot find. <laughs> yeah, that's how I'd like to remember this whole thing. Right. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. This portion of Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp.com. So is there something preventing you from reaching your goals? Like, you know, do you want something else? Is there something that's interfering with your happiness? Well, check out betterhelp.com slash Bigfoot. That's betterhelp.com slash Bigfoot. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, a licensed professional therapist. And this is an online service. Connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient and it is private. No one's going to know but you and your licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with this therapist in less than 48 hours. 
In this sort of COVID environment where everybody's accessing their friends and work online, it just makes sense that something like BetterHelp would rise to the surface. The service is available for clients worldwide. So to find the particular expertise you need online, don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P, help, betterhelp.com slash Bigfoot. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash Bigfoot. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso, and Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. Well, now the second thing you mentioned, Bobo, was uh, the dented up rent-a-van thing that happened in Virginia. Um, and I'd love to hear uh, Tyler's version of this, especially after all these years. Um, what do you remember about that night and what happened? Because our viewers probably don't know anything about this. Yeah. Um, I actually, viewers. There it is. I said viewers again. <laughs> viewers. You can't see me, right, listeners? Okay, that's good. I don't, I, my hair is not done. <laughs> you can see my voice. Um, I actually remember this fairly well because I recorded after this happened, I recorded it on an audio recorder, just like dictated what had happened, what I'd been doing, what time it was, where I was so that I would remember. And it was actually your suggestion, Cliff, when I called you like two in the morning, like, oh, I don't even know what happened. And you're like, get your recorder, record it while it's fresh. And I listened to that recording over and over for a while. Um, and I don't think I have it anymore, unfortunately. But uh, so it was something that is pretty, uh, pretty not fresh, but I, I can remember a lot of details. So what happened was I was in Virginia and I was given a task to go make the, the greatest Bigfoot bait pile the world has ever seen. And our producer, Aaron, said, here, take this liver, take this trout, take these apples, peanut butter, bagels, um, I think some dog food, and go out and make the greatest pile. So I went out and made this big, like, mandala out of apples and, and bagels and donuts and took, took some pictures uh, oh, we had the tracking powder, the UV tracking oh, that powder, episode, right? And put all this tracking powder on this bait pile so that when Bigfoot or any other critter comes and takes part of it, when they walk away, this tracking powder, which is a powder that's really sticky and adheres to everything, would fall on the ground, and we'd be able to follow it with our special UV lights. And then when I came back to the hotel, because it was a long ways away, it was like an hour and a half drive each direction. When I went back to talk to the producers and like I did it and I showed them the photo and the executive producers said, no, no, no. You were supposed to make a pile of donuts and then apples and then peanut butter because then the team is going to go out at night and you guys 
are going to, did they like the donuts? Did they like the apples? You know, it doesn't make sense for the show to have one big pile and like, all right, well, there it is. And, you know, and then what? So, but I was upset because then the other producers like, yeah, that's what I told you to do. And I said, no, that is not what you told me to do. You told me to go make the greatest bake pile ever. So I was, I mean. Who was it? I want his name. (laughs) No, it was Aaron. Yeah, he was a cool guy. But, you know, when he kind of threw me under the bus for that, and I'm like, that's not what you said, but whatever, you know, crap rolls downhill. And I took it like a, took it like a champ. So I was given, (laughs) I was given a credit card and they said, go buy more stuff and go back out in the woods and set up these piles like we wanted you to. And I said, okay. So, you know, by this time it's dark. I drive all the way out there. It's dark. I remember walking down the road and I see these lights bobbing through the, uh, through the trees ahead of me and realize that there's a couple coon hunters out there with a dog and the dog has a light on his collar. And I'm walking down this road in the dark with grocery bags full of peanut butter, beef liver, donuts, trout, apples. And I'm like, I don't want to have to answer questions like what I'm doing out in the woods at 10 o'clock at night (laughs) with groceries. So I went and hid off the trail, hid behind this log waiting for him to go by. But this dog sniffed me out and came right up into my face. And I'll never forget the guy like, Apollo, get back over here. Apollo, get away. And this other guy's like, I think he has something up there. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, please don't come up here. Because the only thing weirder than seeing a guy walking down the road with groceries is coming up on a guy hiding behind a stump with (laughs) groceries in the middle of nowhere. And they came up within feet of me and grabbed the dog and walked off and never saw me. So that was strange. So, yeah, so I went out and made all these piles put the tracking powder on them, you know, in the middle of the night, like marking them all with a GPS because I'm doing it in the dark. We have to be able to find these spots or you guys have to be able to find these spots when we go out for a night investigation later. So I did all that. And then I'm driving back and I'm super tired from going out here and doing this thing twice, making the drive twice, long day. I mean, there's a lot of long days working on a show. I mean, there were days that, you know, 16, 18, you know, or like when we filmed in Olympia, we were, up, you know, we were still filming at like seven in the morning after our night investigation. Like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep doing it. And so I was leaving and, you know, way up in the mountains and I was coming down this road, headed home. I finally get off the dirt road, get on the pavement. Here's the highway. Here I go. You know, and, and it goes through this draw. There's mountains on each side, fields on each side of the highway. There's a creek that goes through there. It's all foggy because, you know, it's bottoms or haulers or whatever those things are called. Foggy, dark. And I get on the highway and I'm looking down at my dashboard because I'm putting it on cruise control because I just want to get home. And, you know, doing the thing, looking at the dashboard and I look up and right there in front of me, I had half a second to react. There was something standing in the middle of the road, like on the line or maybe just a little bit 
to my side of the line. And the next thing I know, hit it. It smacked the rear view mirror on the driver's side. And then something hit the roof of the minivan. And I immediately stopped and didn't see anything behind me. You know, the brake lights were like lighting up the fog. So there's just this big pink mist behind me. Turned around, didn't see anything. Turned around again, didn't see anything. And I was certain that I had hit a person. It was upright. It was standing there. And, you know, I was like, I just ran into some drunk hillbilly that was standing out in the middle of the road at two in the morning for some reason. And, um, and I was really, was really upset. Uh, I was very distraught about the whole thing because I thought that I hit a person. Um, so I was like standing, I pulled over and standing on the guardrail and yelling like, come out, mister. <laughs> Sorry, I hit you. You know, I'll help you. And nothing and nothing. And, you know, and then the little thing in the back of my head, it's like, why would there be a person out here standing in the middle of the road at night? And why were you out here setting up bait piles? Because this is a big footy place. This is why we're here. Look around you. There's a river right here. There's fields with deer and cows and steep mountains on each side. Like, Bigfoot, dude, like, no, you know, yes, no, yes. And uh, so, yeah, and I called Cliff at the, called you at the, your hotel, and you were like, if you're calling me at 2.30 in the morning, then, you know, something something's up. And I'm like, I think I just hit a person, but maybe a Bigfoot, but probably a person, but I don't know. And then that's when you suggested, hey, record it all fresh in your mind, where you are, what you were doing, why you were there, what happened. So, but you looked, I mean, you, you went out with a thermal and you were, you looked around for like 45 minutes. It wasn't like you just yelled up the bridge and then left. I mean, you, Oh yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was really upset because I wanted to, I didn't want to leave and have somebody injured, you know, on the side of the road. So yeah, I had therms and that's how I knew like looking out in these fields that there's, there's deer out there. I mean, there's, you know, half a dozen deer mingled with these cows. And then I look on the other side of the road and there's deer over there and all sorts of little rabbits. And I mean, there's briars alongside the road. So there was a lot of wildlife out there. You know, and like I said, there was this creek that went through that was right there. So, you know, there's all the aquatic life and frogs and fish and birds and all that sort of thing. I mean, there's tons of food there, which was why... You know, I was thinking like, you know, the only house is way over there. Why would there be a guy standing here? Face it, dude. It, there was just, this was a Bigfoot. But then there's other part like, so the Bigfooter guy that's working on a Bigfoot show is out setting up Bigfoot bait piles, then hits a Bigfoot. You know, that it, it's too much to, you know, it's a little much. Yeah. Looking at the van the next morning, because you're like, it could have been a person, but it was clearly hair striations because it was we drive off road all the time so the cars are always covered in dirt and dust and it was hair striation marks from the top from the roof of the minivan down like to the wheel well it was clearly you'd hit something covered in hair yeah uh you know i didn't i didn't even stop to look at the car after it happened um i was more concerned with everything else and you know when i didn't find couldn't find a person i was down off the side of the road you know and i Drove all the way back to the hotel, and I didn't get back there till like four in the morning or something. And uh, you know, and then having to tell 
the producer, Chad, like, hey, I messed up a rental car. And he's like, well, what'd you do? Did you go off the road? You know, whatever. I'm like, no, I hit something or maybe someone. And it's like, wait, what? And, you know, and I knew, you know, I was expect I was expecting to be in trouble that I messed up a rental car, which I mean, it, you know, I didn't really get in trouble for it, but it is like, you know, bad. <laughs> no, no, but it's not really your fault. And I told him like, if I had gone off the road or got, you know, ditched the car or something, I would have totally told you and, you know, face the consequences. Um, cause you know, I'm upfront, up honest. Chad was always upfront and honest with me. And so, you know, uh, pay him back by being, being the same with him, you know, and then we were going to, you know, somehow use it in the show. But then once again, it's like, well, how do we play this? That Tyler, you know, how, how does this happen? You know, and can we even use it on the show? But nevertheless, we did have the DNA kit, evidence kit that we had in the U-Haul. Yeah, Bobo scraped that stuff off, if I remember right. And I don't know what happened to that. But but no, first, this is the part that drove me insane. Like, I honestly thought at this point, is Renee some kind of government plant to cover up any Bigfoot evidence? (laughs) She looked like she was in a trance. And she goes up and she puts her hand where the... Because there was body damage. You had to fill out an accident report or whatever with the insurance company. Because, And she ran, was rubbing her hands over the whole area, like touching it. Yeah, she touched it. She was like, oh, right here? You mean right here is where you? And we're like, dude, we, yeah, that's, you just touch with your bare hands. And, you know, and I, but I thought that we did. I thought you did, Bubba. Like, you got some of it. But then, yeah, Renee, yeah, just touched it. And we're like, okay. She rubbed her hands over, like like feeling the damage, like all but the whole, even the part where the damage was, where, just where the marks were. She just rubbed her hands over all of it, like, and I was yelling at her, like, like yelling, Renee, Renee, stop, stop! And she just, like, she had this blank look on her face, like she was like, oh my god, I think it was kind of like the reality of it slapping her in the face, like this is this, and she was trying to get like a physical, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like it was some, it was it was odd. She did it was the only time she did anything like that. It was just so strange. Maybe she's a robot. Yeah. I've never really considered that before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. You know, what? <laughs> Renee with a blank face on him. What? No way. Never saw that no. ever. Anyways, but um, yeah, so that's what happened. Uh, and then the next day, because I was still really bothered by this, even Bigfoot or no Bigfoot, I hit something. And I was really, you know, and whether it was, I mean, I've, I've, thought about the possibility that it was maybe a deer or something that was on the road. And because it was so close to the headlight, like maybe it's shadow on the fog made it look tall and big, but I would have seen, I would have seen a deer. I mean, I would have, hopefully I would have known, you know, I wasn't like that tired and I wasn't hallucinating that, you know, I would hope that I would be able to tell the difference between a deer and a person. And there was hair marks at, at my eye level on the minivan. There was hair marks on that part even. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was, it hit the top of the, the top of the roof of the van. And so, you know, and kind of what I thought is I hit this thing and it spun it around and like a flailing arm maybe hit the top of the van or, or some, I mean, some body part, something hit the top of the van. There was marks on it. 
But the next day we went out to that location and one of our PAs, Nick Crow, uh, went and got food and then he came back and he said, I called all the hospitals within like a two hour radius of this spot and nobody was admitted that, you know, had been hit by a car. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thanks. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Relief. But that also doesn't mean that, I mean, we're way out in Virginia, you know, where the people might not go to the hospital. This is like Western, Western Virginia. Like people think of Virginia, you know, like Washington, D.C. This is, it's hill country. I mean, it's as hillbilly as Kentucky or West Virginia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like hilly. It's like moonshiner country, you know, where people like get off my property, you know, we will shoot you and bury you and not even think about it. So, um, and then Chad grabbed me. He's like, grab your food. Let's go. We're going to go down there in the daytime. We're going to look until we find something. Just, I can't, I can't stand you sitting here looking like this. You know, I'm like sitting up against a tree head between my legs, like, man, I hope I didn't kill somebody. And, uh, so we went down there and I crawled through rabbit trails and the briars and the brambles looking, you know, even looking for a hurt deer, dead deer, coyote or anything. And went, you know, I was all over the place on both sides until Chad's like, we got to, you know, we got to go. We have to go film the thing. And so it was really cool that he took me down there to put, put me at ease, you know, take this weight off my shoulders. And also like, dude, what if we'd have, what if we'd have found a, a Bigfoot, you know, down there hanging out in the, in the brambles and, uh, which, you know, obviously did not happen, but yeah. And then also at one point, Matt Moneymaker tweeted something like Tyler Bounds finding Bigfoot scout BFRO, whatever hits Bigfoot with, with car. And we we're all like, Whoa, 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 dude, no. And, but it was too late. It's out there. And then, you know, he got in trouble for one announcing where we were because we used to keep the locations secret so that people wouldn't come out and mess with us. And, you know, and then he just tweeted out where we were and what happened, but not what happened, what he wanted to happen. So because of that, I also got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in like the, the Bigfoot forums um, back in the day when there wasn't as much Bigfoot stuff online. There was like the Bigfoot forums and a couple other things. And that was it really online for discussing Bigfootery. You know, not everybody had a website and, and podcasts and that sort of thing. So I also, I had to deal with a lot of ridicule and, and, you know, I just did it to get attention or attention for the show. And of course he hit a Bigfoot, he faked it, he gets paid and, you know, stuff like that. Like, so I just kind of gave up on that whole thing. Like, I don't know what I hit. I'm never going to know what I hit. And so let it, let it lie. And so, yeah, that's, that's what went down. Yeah. With today's eDNA techniques, we could have got, we, we would have found out what we, we would know what you hit nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This was, I mean, whenever this was, when was this 2000, you know, 20, 10 years ago, 2011. So yeah, that was a that was a big fiasco for a little while. It was really interesting, you know, like, oh, we're trying to figure out what else could it be. And more than anything, most importantly, trying to eliminate that it was a human being because that, you know, because nobody wants, you know, to involuntarily kill somebody, you know, obviously. 
like holy smokes and just and once we eliminated that and we were satisfied with that then it's got a little exciting it's like wow what can we do with this and unfortunately i don't know what what the the production company has that swab somewhere um that bobo took i I don't expect ever hear about it or see it again because i don't think they care but um yeah it's out there somewhere i don't know well, anyway, the, Bubba, the third thing that you, of course, think about with uh, Mr. Tyler Bounds here is uh, the solo camping trip you guys filmed together in Alabama on um, on that place that we nicknamed Creepy Mountain for good reason as well. Yeah, I'm still, you know, that video, that video, that uh, thermal that the preacher got, Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it a, is, yeah, right. I mean, I talked to the guys at FLIR. They said whatever that was, was live, and it was nine foot tall approximately, you know, because they, they took the they, – because he gave them the measurements and, like, daytime uh, – and video footage, you know, comparing whatever. So, I, I mean, we I, I felt pretty good going in. Like, they're here on this mountain. And uh, I'll let Tyler take it from there. It was Tyler and I on a solo camp. We were walking up the mountain, and we were just – we had just left camp not long – you know, we were – quarter half mile from camp we'd only been walking up there for maybe 15 20 minutes into the into the night investigation and take it from there tyler yeah so we had left our camp spot and where our vehicle was and it was dark it had been raining off and on and so we were going up this road and following bobo and doing the thing and you know and and Bobo, you were wearing that big, heavy-duty, like, Carhartt rain slicker thing that you had. Yeah, we walked for 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And then I realized that I grabbed all the dead batteries and not the live batteries for the video camera. So I had to go back and get the batteries. Rookie rookie mistake, but, you know, it, we all do it. And like, oh, I thought it was recording. Oh, I thought it was on. Oh, the batteries are dead, you know of course, when it's important. So I ran back to the, ran all the way back to the car, swapped out the batteries, and then was kind of booking back up where we had split up because, you know, it have to film. And then coming up, coming up the road, and I saw you um, standing on the side of the road. And, you know, it's, it's dark, uh, but, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things that we really adhered to, even on the night invest, the solo stuff that we would do was, you know, no headlamps unless you needed them, you know. And so running all the way down, running all the way back, no headlamp. I had pretty good night vision, you know, just with my eyes and being able to discern individual trees and bushes and, and that sort of thing, but not detail, and was coming up this coming up the road and the road curved to the left and right on the right there was kind of a little just a little wide spot in the road right there and you were standing there and I saw you and you had you know you had your big rain slicker on you had the hood up and you know with your the hood up so you know it's kind of this pointy thing and you're standing there and and I said something like, hey, Bobes, you know, hey, what are you doing? And, you know, assuming that or I was assuming that you were like peeing and then uh, like, hey, Bobes, you know, what are you doing? Hey, what do you got? Something like that. And then 
you just like walked off into the, into the bushes and the trees. I'm like, Oh, he's, he's got something, you know, he's, I need to go film this. So I go up there and, you know, have the camera going like, Hey, Bubs, you know, whispering, Hey, Bubs, where are you? Bub, you know, Bobo, where, <laughs> where did you go? You were right here. And, you know, and Bobo, you're a big guy. If you're going through the bushes, I can, I would hear you. I could, you know, find you. And there was nothing. It was totally silent. And I'm like, what the heck? And like, where? So I went up the road a little bit more and I was like, Bobo, but, and then you were further up the road, you know, a hundred yards or something. And like on the road, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm up here. What's up? And I'm like, no, you were just back there. Like, no, I'm up here. I'm like, well, then what did I see back there? There was something out of that wide spot. And you said, well, I stopped there. I think you said that you had stopped there and like you peed and, you know, and then kept on keeping on. Then I come up the road and there's something standing in that same spot, your size, your shape. I mean, I could see it's like, it's Bobo with his rain slicker on hood up and, you know, just standing there dark uniform color. And, you know, cause I think we were wearing all of our rain gear cause it had been raining like off and on or something. Well, I, I did, I, I, cause I waited there for about 10 minutes for you. I was just kind of milling around therming and I was hearing something on the other side of the road behind you. I took a leak right there, right where you saw it. Cause that's where the, it went into the, the trail went in there. I took a pee there and I heard something behind me, like brush popping. And I went over there and looked and looked nothing. And then you came up, I don't know, several minutes later and it was it was chilly out and cool and um i remember looking at the ground where on the therm and i could see the hot urine where he had peed over where i had peed like he had taken because i could see like where it had been there was cool the cool spots where it was mine because it had been several minutes and then the hot warm like it just had come out you know like on uh, like a, a mixed in with it so yeah i mean it, i think it thought i was marking its territory and he said no you're not there's nothing like hot urine on a on a nice cool night. No, there's a couple of things, but we don't want to get into that. Really. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was very interesting. And once again, um, you know, tried to go into the into the brush, and it was really thick. And I think we went back there the next day, Bobo, like in the daylight, to see where it went. And obviously, you know, if it went in right there there's going to be like hair strands and stuff stuck on these bushes and trees and went in a little bit but it was really thick and you know maybe my depth perception may have been off or something and it didn't you know like it went in another direction and maybe not straight in there maybe it went somewhere else where you know it wouldn't be struggling to get through brush and I just didn't see it or you know, and I think I was also filming, like looking down at the video camera because I want to have, I want to be rolling when I walk up on you. So, you know, my eyes might have been a little blasted from that screen or something. You know, I have no idea what it was, where it went, but I definitely, I mean, I was 100% positive. I was walking up to Bobo and like, hey, dude, what's going on? And, you know, when you just walked up, I'm like, did I say something wrong? You know, whatever. And, but it's like, well, maybe he's on something. He's got the therm. He's going in and, you know, like, hey, wait up, Bobs. I need to film you because this is my job. And 
and you you heard him. Remember later that night, there was two of them around camp. Were you awake? Were you still awake when they came? When we, I clearly heard one walking. I didn't. I didn't know what because uh, I, I don't think we set up camp. Well, we did set up camp there like late in the afternoon. It was get just it was about to get dark because we went out after that. But I, I didn't realize the there was a deep gully about ten foot deep that ran parallel and kind of looped around the camp a little bit. And I kept hearing walking and like some you know footfalls. Like definitely, it, it was a squash. I mean, it was bipedal. It wasn't boots. There was a lot of leaves on the ground, and and there were some bare spots of of a dirt and i remember hearing that going back and forth and i was thurman i'd keep thurman out of my tent i kept i kept my tent unzipped and i was thurman down there and i never saw anything i'm like how could they and then the next day when it was daylight going down there going oh my god i wish i knew this cut was in there i would have known they were down you know i would have known what was going on because that was that was an active spot i that was one of the spots i was really wanted to go back to right yeah that was and it's funny because I had totally forgotten about that actually. Um, you know, and that's one of the downfalls of being on the show and being on it so long and going to so many different places that it all kinds of becomes blurry and, you know, like so many places, you know, so much, you know, walking around out in the woods. You did the most squash than anyone, anyone on the show. I mean, cause you got to go on all this. I mean, we'd go every fourth one. And you got to go on all of them, so you got to go squat. I mean, we'd all go out two nights of the big, the big group ones, whatever. But those are kind of. I mean, we always felt like we had a shot on the solo. Like it was such a different scene. It was such a different vibe. It was so much quieter and not constant battery changes. And you know, one person's down, so everyone's down. It was just you were you just it was it was awesome. It was super awesome, and you know, and I also oftentimes I would be there a week or two in advance at a location, you know, cause I would drive the U-Haul. You guys would be, you know, off somewhere else on the globe, or sometimes you guys went home for a quick, you know, one or two week break. And I would go to the next location and hang out and do pre-production and hang out with the advanced team, you know, Natalie or Melissa um, or whoever, Joe James. And sometimes I would go out then too, just go like, well, I have some stuff to test for Backpacker Magazine, and this place is hot, and it's going to be good weather. So I would just, like, I'm going to go out in the woods for three or four days and, you know, and kind of get my bearings and check out places beforehand so that when you guys showed up, like, hey, I went to this really cool spot. It's cool. It has potential. Or there's something cool or unique about it, like a, a mine shaft or some creepy hollow or, you know, some something like that. So... I was really lucky to basically, you know, I got paid to go camping with my friends and go look for Bigfoots and travel the country. And it was the greatest job ever. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So I, th- I think this would be a great opportunity for Tyler to tell maybe one story, maybe a favorite, maybe something that just sticks out, maybe something like the only story that you can find that's appropriate to tell in public yeah. about um, each one of us. Let's, so let's just go around. Good luck finding an appropriate one for public. <laughs> well, that's on him, not us, man. We just host this thing. He's got to talk. <laughs> so I don't know. So uh, who do you want to start with? Who comes to mind first, Tyler? Tell us a good story about any of us. Oh, man. Um, I have a lot of them. Were you there when Moneymaker fell asleep in the cave? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Moneymaker, me and Moneymaker in the cave. And that was in the same location as where I hit the thing with the car. Yeah, I think that was Virginia or somewhere. Yeah, I think it was the same spot. And went up, and I found this cave, this little slot underneath this rock that went into this big room. And like, wow, this is a full-on cave. And went in there, Moneymaker and myself, like sat in there and hung out and, you know, and he did this whole spiel about how he's going to sleep in the cave. And this is where Bigfoot's would go and weather gets bad. And, and I sat in there with him, like, this is gold. This is amazing. And I was, <laughs> he, you know, we're in this pristine cave and like, dude, there's probably never been a person in here ever. And he was sitting there and he's smoking cigarettes and like flicking butts over in the rocks. I'm like, no, dude, no, we, that's not, no, no, no. So I'm like scrambling around, reaching down these holes to get his cigarette butts. Like we can't no. And there's these crazy cave crickets and these spiders and these centipedes like, wow, you know, these could be new species. Who knows? Dude, this is amazing. And Moneymaker, like, oh, a spider, squish. I'm like, no! <laughs> Dude, what are you, what are you doing? So, yeah, I mean, that was, that was legit. He slept, he did sleep in a cave. He really did. He spent the night in there and. But he passed out before he put out, pulled out a sleeping bag and stuff. I thought he just laid down on the rock and was going to set up his camp in a minute. And then he just got up like eight or 10 hours later. Yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I don't even know if there was a sleeping bag. I don't, I don't remember. It's, um, yeah, I don't remember that part for, for sure. But I mean, it was comfy in there. We hung out, we cooked food, we did our thing and just talked and hung out in a cave. Nice. <laughs> in a, in a cave. And I got tons of stories. We only have so much time though. So why don't you, why don't, what, what do you remember about uh, solo camping with Renee? Like what, what's a nice uh, story on that one? A nice story. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Renee. Okay, you know I think I think I'll let you do me next, and then we'll save uh, Bobo for last. There's nothing to say there. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I remember about our one of our trips, Cliff, was it seemed like you and I always were getting like the short end of the stick when it came to solo camping because I would really I really like spending time with you in the woods. And it seems like we would go and we'd get stuck in Rhode Island or uh, Massachusetts or something. And like, you know, oh, yeah, it was Connecticut, actually. Connecticut. We actually went to Massachusetts because there was nothing to do there was in Connecticut. Nothing. And, you know, and it seemed, seemed like, like, oh, I get to go out with Cliff, but we're in the really terrible spot and not really, you know, quote unquote, squatchy or whatever. And I remember being bummed like oh we're going to new jersey and cliff and i are going to go out in new jersey and you like camp behind the dumpster or something yeah, i didn't understand like what? i didn't understand how great new jersey was at the time that's and that's exactly it i was so bummed and then we got we we're giving the keys to that nature preserve and all those cranberry bogs out there that were being reclaimed by by nature and it was easily hands down the most alive vibrant with life area we had deer we had beavers we had turtles we had 
you know, we were in the Pine Barrens and these cranberry bogs and there's so much life and there's so much everything out there. And, you know, pine, pine barren snakes, you know, they live nowhere else in the world. And we saw one and then we actually came up on this biologist who was studying them and said, yeah, they don't live anywhere else. They only live here. Like, hey, we saw one of those. That was cool. And, you know, and it was so alive. And I, you know, apologies, New Jersey. I, you know, had nothing but bad things to say about you before I went there. And it was easily, I mean, the most diverse amount of life of any of the places that we went out. And And we missed a Bigfoot. And we missed a Bigfoot. Yeah, there was, uh, we heard strange calls. And once again, like, is the recorder out? It had died. The recorder was out, but the batteries had died during the night. Because back then I didn't have a recorder good enough to go the full, you know, six or eight hours of sleep that we would get. It would die after four or six hours. And um, it was right at dawn. The thing woke me up and it kind of takes a lot to wake me up. Um, Yeah, the thing was loud and right on the other side of that river. It was pretty amazing. It was. And, you know, and there were so many, yeah, so much life. And it was cool. You and I went up in a, a, a... a fire lookout and you could from the top of there, you could see New York in the distance, New York city and down the coast ways you could see the lights of Atlantic city. And for a hundred miles in either direction of where we were, it was like pitch black. It was pine barrens, thick woodsy, not a whole lot out there. And even the towns that are out there are really little and old and there's cranberry bogs and, the ocean spray cranberry factory that we found and like piles of skins outside and deer all over the place eating these cranberry skins. And, you know, and the guys from Huffington post came out with us and we took them out in the woods and filmed that whole video thing with yeah. Andy Campbell and who I'm still friends with to, to this day. Um, it was really cool. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised at how woodsy alive the biodiversity there in New Jersey. So that was really cool. That was a a highlight of my entire time at finding Bigfoot. Why don't we move on to Bobo now and uh, Bobo, maybe you want to hang up or something. I don't know. It's up to you. (laughs) We can finish this without you, but if you're uh, brave enough, you can hang on and then, uh, and hear Tyler's story that first comes to mind about camping with you. Time Tyler hurt his leg and I carried him out over my shoulders for eight miles. (laughs) oh um i have a lot of a lot of good memories with you bobo um going out there and but i do remember when i was being frustrated we you and i went and spent an awesome time out in new mexico and the uh was it the calle valdera out or, or valle caldera and all those elk herds and uh it was negative five at night i remember that yeah, it was cold and and uh and I remember I remember uh talking about talking about whatever and you had your backpack on, you know, but you didn't have anything in your backpack. And then you said, I just hiked twenty miles from this side to that side and you know, and it was awesome and amazing. And I'm like, Bobo, you don't have anything in your backpack. <laughs> you can't hike twenty miles with an empty backpack. You're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I was actually trying to be funny at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, it was hilarious. Like, dude, you can't say that. You don't have anything in your backpack. 
<laughs> where did where did Bubba eat? Where did he sleep? And uh, it was full when I started. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were there. Emergency provisions last ditch effort. <laughs> I had to eat the sleeping bag. Survival situation. But uh, but that whole time in New Mexico was. I mean, we were way out there. We had uh, permission to be in places that people don't usually get to go. But yeah, I do remember having a great time out there and like following elk herds. And it was just a wild, another one of those, like, this is my job. This is what I get to do. I get to go out here with my friends and experience this, you know, and have, you know, once again, like we have a permit to be there. We have, you know, we get to go behind lock gates or whatever that people don't usually get to go and, you know, and just kind of go out and do our thing. And, you know, and just one of those, like, I'm getting paid for this. I remember we were up like 10,000 feet or something like that. And just behind lock gates and just looking at each other going, dude, we're on the clock. Like, look at this. Like, this is the most beautiful view in the world. And we're on the clock. It was awesome. It was, it was, it was super. It's one of those, like, never forget it and you know i got to hang out there with you bobo and, and it was it was it was great it was super good time yeah that was, that was a beautiful spot that i still look back like oh, man, we were paid for that <laughs> right exactly the entire run of finding bigfoot holds so many treasured memories for all of us and the fact that i got to go out with uh, and bobo I, I think i'm speaking for you as well got to go out with so many good friends and experience um just the country if not the world um and, and tyler is a big part of that man he saw us through a lot of stuff um he, he was right there when some of the best things happened on the show um he, he was integral in all of that he was just just what a, an important piece of the finding bigfoot family so um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of the memories with us about finding Bigfoot. And thanks so much for just being a friend after all these years. I really love you, man. Really do. Right back at you, Cliff and Bobo. You know, we were friends before the show. We're friends now. And, you know, we got to share a lot of experiences, adventures, highs, lows, good weather, bad weather. You know, being out in the woods and like, whoa, what? We don't have any toilet paper. And, you know, and you guys, you know, riding, riding through with me. And, you know, it's. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was one yeah. of the best, best experiences I've ever had. Easily the best job I've ever had. And if it wasn't for you guys, it would have been hell. <laughs> right on, Tyler. Yeah, I was. That was good times. It was. Okay, Bobes, take us home, man. All right, Tyler. Well, thanks for joining us, brother. That was a fun little reminiscence. And uh, thanks for not throwing me under the bus. And so, uh, folks, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. So, yeah, hit that like button. Hit the share button. If you don't know, uh, might be interested in this, pass the word. We appreciate it. And until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond. That's an N in the middle. And tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 